0: Pastor Xavier Reese reminds us that godliness with contentment is great gain on today's Simple Truth.
1: The ambition of a Christian must come at the direction and guidance of the Lord Jesus. Listen to Psalm 37:23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in all his ways. All that I do should honor God. 1 Corinthians 10:31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do to the glory of God. The most basic things, eat or drink to the glory of God. What about everything else?
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Most commonly today, people think of a prophet as any person who foretells the future. While the gift of prophecy certainly includes the ability to see the future, the simple truth is a prophet is far more than that. A prophet is basically a spokesman for God, whether it be foretelling the future or foretelling concerning the present. But in the case of God speaking to Baruch, ascribed to Jeremiah, we find elements of both foretelling and forthtelling. God was dealing with the overambitious Baruch, who was distressed at Babylon's overthrow of Jerusalem, but God assured him with the future prediction of a victorious Israel. The very same assurance given to Jeremiah previously as well. Let's join Pastor Xavier getting this intriguing study underway.
1: Jeremiah chapter forty-five. Verse 1 through 5. And the message is entitled, Is Ambition Wrong? It's characterized, first of all, by the faithful words of Jeremiah to Baruch in verse 1. Secondly, by the foolish words of Baruch in verse 2 and 3. And then thirdly, the faithful words of God to Baruch in verse 4 and 5. Notice first, God had a personal word to Baruch through Jeremiah. The name Jeremiah, as you know, means whom God has appointed. And now God had appointed him to speak directly to Baruch from Yahweh. A personal word. Baruch is called the son of Neriah. He was of the upper echelons, a society, a scribe, in fact. And he had become Jeremiah's secretary, his amanuensis, if you will, now. Now the prophet Jeremiah, according to Yahweh, called Baruch. To write these words in chapter 36 verse 4. At the instructions of Jeremiah. In other words, God spoke to Jeremiah. Jeremiah spoke the words to Baruch. And all the words the Lord spoke to him, he wrote down. That is the order which it was written. Again, the date is very important. Whenever God gives us a date, we need to be careful to note it. The text says it was... In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, 605 B.C. is the date. The date marks the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon's reign. This began the time of the Gentiles. The dream that God gave to Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 2 and Daniel 7. God had now begun to deal with the Gentile world and would continue to do so until the end of the tribulation. The head of gold, the arms and chest of silver, the belly of brass, the legs of iron. Then you have the church age, and you have the ten-nation confederacy of iron and clay, the rule of the Antichrist, the tribulation and great tribulation. Crucial date. Notice, secondly, we have the foolish words of Baruch in verse 2 and 3. First of all, in verse 2, the Lord addresses Baruch. The one speaking to Baruch is marked by a twofold identity. Mark it well. The first is the name Lord. And whenever the word Lord is in all capital letters, you know that it means the name Yahweh. The covenant name of God. That with his people. Notice the second is the title. The God of Israel. Elohim. The creator. The God who is the only God. The one who made everything. The one who is the ruler and sovereign Lord over the nation of Israel. In fact, Israel means God prevails or governed by God. Jacob's name, Surplanter, Self-Centered, Self-Sufficient, was changed to Israel. God prevails, governed by God. Notice the Lord, the God of Israel, was about to speak personally to Baruch. God is able to speak to you personally. People always have a tendency to look to men to tell them what to do. If you've ever talked to us here, we always turn you back to God. Unless I can point you clearly in Scripture where it's a direct command, if it's something personal for direction, I commit you back to God. God will speak to you personally. Yahweh said, to you, to you, Baruch. Yahweh was about to speak to Baruch about a very important issue of his life. The Lord addresses Baruch about his complaining against Yahweh, using Baruch's own words. Now, we've seen it through Isaiah and Jeremiah, how God uses people's words to nail them. Yahweh says, you said, woe is me now. Baruch was having feelings of despair and feeling sorry for himself. Looking around at the circumstance was being overwhelmed. Baruch had been sent by Jeremiah, as you know, to read the scroll that he had written at the dictation of Jeremiah in the Lord's house. Since Jeremiah was banned from the temple, he couldn't go in. And when the princes in chapter 36, verse 16 heard it, they said, we're going to tell the king. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. They asked him, how did you write these words? And he says, well, you know, Jeremiah proclaimed them and I wrote them down in a book with ink. And then the princess in verse 19 told Baruch that he and Jeremiah should hide themselves and not let anyone know where they are. He knows he's in trouble now. Now, the fear is legitimate. The circumstance is a real one. So we don't want to be critical against him or mock him because we would be fearful also. And God doesn't get on him for that. He gets on him for what he said. Yahweh said, you said, for the Lord has added grief to my sorrow. Baruch was blaming Yahweh for adding to his grief or anguish and sorrow, meaning pain. How often God gets the bum blame (laughs) for everything, even from believers. We know that he he gets it from the non-believer. As if things were not bad enough with Babylon outside the walls... Now, the princes and the king are out to kill him and Jeremiah. So, it's a real scenario. And there's a legitimate reason for fear and despair. But, it's his attitude and his perspective that God is pointing out. Yahweh said, you said, I fainted in my sign and I find no rest. So, Baruch was accusing Yahweh of unfaithfulness in that he said he fainted or was weary in his sign or groaning. In other words, Baruch had focused so much on his situation and his own person that he did not depend on Yahweh or have full confidence in him. You see, Baruch had come to the same place where Jeremiah had come to earlier and God told him this. If you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace, in which you trusted, they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplains of the Jordan? Jeremiah twelve five. In other words, they couldn't do it apart from trusting God. If you can't hack it now, then what's going to happen when it really gets tough? You can't do it on your own. You're a bad source. You're not all sufficient. You have to look to me. Remember that the king... Jehoiakim had burned the scroll on the fire. And he had commanded the arrest of Baruch and Jeremiah. But the Lord hit them both. And without doubt, it was a time of anxiety and uneasiness. In chapter 36, verse 26. God's word is permanent. so, as you know, Jeremiah dictated the words again and added many others. Uh, His word would come to pass. How easy it is to allow the situation to dictate my perspective and my actions. Now, God does not exclude common sense. If um, you're washing dishes and your uh, main source of water bursts and there's water flushing all over the place, um, don't pray. Just go turn the water off. Okay? So let's not exclude common sense. But I have to be careful. The psalmist in Psalm 73 became envious at the wicked. As he looked around and saw them prospering, seeing they had no trouble. Their children were healthy and wealthy and uh, their animals didn't have miscarriages and all kinds of stuff. And he says, you know, I've cleansed my hands in innocency, in vain. But then in verse 18, it says, until I went into the sanctuary of God. When he went to pray to God, he obtained the proper perspective. Listen to his words. Thus, my heart was grieved, and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant, I was like a beast before you, speaking to God. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel, and afterwards receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. Listen, my flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I must always turn back to God to get the proper perspective. Because if I don't, I will allow the situation to set the agenda for my life. And how many Christians make decisions based on situations, on emotions and feelings, and they become self-sufficient and they become those in trouble. Oh, how easy it is for us to feel sorry for ourselves and our situations. All of us. Whining to God and telling everybody about how bad we have it. Yet at times, we are in the situation by our own doing. Our lifestyle. Be it in the past or the present. Always blaming their situation or God or others for their lifestyle. At other times... God has us in the situation to teach us some things and to reveal our heart. He already knows our heart. He wants me to know my heart. Moses put it this way to the children of Israel in um, Deuteronomy 8, 2. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not You see Turning up the heat Reveals the cracks in my life <laughs> That's what the furnace does Oh I'm good I'm strong I can do that Oh really Let's put you in the fire Oh, oh, oh. Put you up against the light Oh Crackpot First hmm. Peter 1 6-7 says In this you greatly rejoice Oh now for a little while If need be A little while Not forever If need be It's needful You have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The things that you will cry and kick and threaten God about, if you will be obedient when you go through them. And you go through the waters, but you won't drown. You go through the fire, but you won't burn. Remember Isaiah? And when you get done, you would never take those things back. You wouldn't exchange them for all the money in the world because they've made you less like you and more like a Christ. <laughs> and that's always good. How easy it is to blame or accuse God of being unjust, unfair, or even uncompassionate. Christians do it all the time. I talk with people, say, I I don't understand why 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 does God allow this and why, you know, and I want to do this and that. Why does God you know and I do you understand what you're saying? You're saying that you're more compassionate than God. You're saying that that you have more love than God. Yet we are promised that He is a faithful creator. And that we are to commit ourselves to Him as a faith creator in our sufferings. 1 Peter 4.19 A verse that I cling on to always. A very valuable verse in my life. 1 Corinthians 10.13 We are told that God will never allow us to be tested beyond our ability to endure. But with every testing shows a way of escape. Thank God for that verse. He's never failed. And I've gone through things just like you. Some things worse than you've ever gone through or ever will go through. And some of you have gone through things worse than I will ever go through. But the important thing is that I'm only going through what God wants me to go through. And I'm able to go through. Because it's my custom made course. So I don't compare myself to you and neither should you compare yourself to me. These were the foolish words of Baruch. Foolish because he got his eyes on the situation. Circumstance. And if you walk too long down that road, you get sucked in. Pretty soon you start acting on that perspective. Notice lastly we have the faithful words of God to Baruch. Notice first in verse 4. Yahweh declared to Baruch that he is a just God by his plans to bring judgment on the nation. Jeremiah was a meteor. Jeremiah was to say, Behold, what I have built, I will break down, and what I have planted, I will pluck up. That is the whole land. In other words, Yahweh was was a holy God. And he could not be one with sin. Though it had been 23 years to this day, and that there would be 17 more years till the final completion of the judgment, it would take place. In other words, God was not intimidated by Baruch's objections or perspective. Sometimes we think we can play the same game with God that we play with our parents or our wives or husbands or children. We pout long enough. Oh, we manipulate them emotionally. Oh, it's okay. No one loves me. Yahweh then reminded Baruch of his own difficult task. In this statement. Of destroying his own nation. In other words, Baruch was not the only one to grieve or sorrow. Listen to me. Listen to me well. If you and I have the capacity for pain, grief, and sorrow and we are created in the image of God, then God possesses those capacities, those attributes of personality to perfection. And therefore, He has a capacity to experience pain to its full capacity. Pretty heavy, huh? We experience it partially. He is perfect. These were His children. He created the nation. He had to destroy it because of sin. And so Baruch was not to shirk back from the plan of God for his life. He was to trust Yahweh, even if he slew him, even as Job declared. Even though you slay me, yet will I trust you, Lord. Notice, secondly, there in verse 5, that Yahweh declared to Baruch that he was all-knowing by revealing what was in the heart of Baruch. Baruch. The question to Baruch was, and do you seek great things? Listen, here's the problem. Yourself, underline it. For yourself. Here we go from mere feeling sorry for oneself, blaming and accusing God for the situation of pain and sorrow, to putting his finger on the greater evil that was being contemplated in the heart of Baruch. He was thinking he could do better for himself than Yahweh was doing for him. All. It happens all the time. I don't believe it's the exception in believers' life. Perhaps all of Baruch's dreams and aspirations at this point had been destroyed completely in his mind, giving up all hope, becoming public enemy number one, being associated with Jeremiah's ministry as his amanuensis, his secretary. He began to turn his heart to being self ambitious to secure his own life, his wealth, his prestige. This is not the first time that we find it in Scripture or we see it in people's lives through the ages of the church. Sometimes people get tweaked and they get down the road and they think that God really has shortchanged them. It happens in pastors. It happens in in churches and different things. And sometimes people get a little more greedy and they want a bigger piece of the pie. and, and, And there's dishonesty in the ministry or whatever it may be. The caution to Baruch was this, listen. Do not seek them, for behold, I will bring adversity on all flesh, says the Lord. Yahweh tells Baruch that none will escape who stand against him, and none of those things he pursues would be of any value or advantage. It's a great caution. It is flashing red lights all the way. Here is a real potential danger in the life of this man. It's a real situation. He would not be able to secure what he longed to obtain for all would be lost in the end. You remember Peter one day he told Jesus. See we have left all to follow you. Therefore what shall we have? So Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you that in the regeneration of the Son of Man sits on the throne of the glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and everyone who has left houses, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, wives, children, or land, for my name's sake, there's the qualification, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Matthew nineteen twenty-seven through 30 Now, we don't serve the Lord for things, but if we serve the Lord, he will be faithful with things here and there. But our motivation is love for the Lord, not love for things. There's the problem. Notice thoroughly that Yahweh declared that he would be faithful to Baruch. So he gives them a promise. The promised kindness to Baruch was, but I will give you your life to you. As a prize in all places, wherever you go. The word but places Baruch in sharp contrast to those whom Yahweh would bring adversity upon. Yahweh instead told Baruch that he would give him his life as a prize. As one who would be spared from war. While all the others die. His life being of more value and worth than any popularity, prosperity or power. Which... Three things comprise worldly ambition for self all the time. Notice the promise extended beyond Jerusalem. In all the places where you go. The stern warning. By God to Baruch. Brought Baruch to a place of making a choice. To trust himself for the future or Yahweh. The temporal against the eternal. All of us make those choices. Fortunately Baruch. Baruch. Chose to trust Yahweh. For we know that both he and Jeremiah were taken by Johanan. And then accused of prophesying falsely as he told them not to go into Egypt. And they were forced to go to Egypt in chapter 43. So God was faithful. Jerusalem was taken. They were both spared. They went into Egypt to continue in ministry. There is nothing wrong with ambition. Ambition. We should be the best in all that we do in our studies, our jobs, our pursuit of life. But the ambition of a Christian must come at the direction and guidance of the Lord Jesus. Listen to Psalm 37:23, "The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in all his ways." All that I do should honor God, both in attitude and in motives. First Corinthians ten thirty one says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do to the glory of God. The most basic things eat or drink to the glory of God. What about everything else? Paul says, not that I speak in regards of need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be a base. I know how to abound everywhere in and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. If He calls you to a situation, He'll do that. You can recall, I can recall. We didn't always have all the money. We didn't always have all the things. We didn't have everything. We can make clothes for our kids. We pack up some sandwiches, go to the beach. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You're walking with God, you're serving God. That's what matters. Not godliness with contentment is great gain. 1 Timothy 6, 6. These were the faithful words of God to Baruch. Don't do it. Please don't do it. The Lord's warning to Baruch is characterized by the faithful words of Jeremiah to Baruch. Communicating God's word. The foolish words of Baruch... Complaining and accusing God in the faithful words of God, the Baruch, cautioning him against self-ambition. Worldly ambition is wrong. Self-ambition. Not to be ambitious for God. That's good. May God give us wisdom.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese draws to a close our Simple Truth Study of Jeremiah chapter 45 with encouragement to put our trust not in the things of the world, but in the eternal things of God. And in the short time remaining, let me mention that copies of today's Simple Truth study, titled, Is Ambition Wrong?, are available for only $4. And we'll be including everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is simply, Is Ambition Wrong?, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, 91107 And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then be back for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese.